the very latest from our local ag industry. The Farming Show with Dylan Honkoop is next on KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM and KGMI.com. GMC have done a great job with the new trucks. I'm blown away. Xavier Cortez is the owner of Northwest Chevrolet Buick GMC Cadillac. I love trucks. I really love trucks. Matter of fact, if you ever see me driving something around town, it's going to be a truck. But what they've done with a new model is absolutely amazing. Yes, I thought that GMC had really good competition with the other brands. But what they have rolled out this year and what they're coming with is absolutely untouchable. Great quality, super cool technology. How they look, how they drive, is can't compare with nothing in the market right now. Not because I sell it, because I, I'm a big fan of other makes and models. It's just because it's true. I've driven them and I'm absolutely in awe. GMC. We are professional grade. Northwest Chevrolet, Buick, GMC Cadillac. Hi, I'm Tom Bordlick, the Diamond King. What's the most important thing in your life? Work? No. Sports? No. Cars? No. Well, if you really think about it, it's your loved one, the person you live with. You think of them all day. You think, when are we going to dinner? When are we going on vacay? When are we going to the beach? Borthwick Jewelry sells love. After you buy her jewelry that sparkles, she will look every day at her new jewelry piece and think, yes, he is really thinking of me. Yes, he cares about me. Yes, I know he loves me. Shop at Borthwick Jewelry. You need a job? Go to HireMeWad.com. HireMeWad.com is Cascade Radio Group's hyper-local job board. It's free and easy to use. Just go to HireMeWad.com for the latest job openings and offers. You can apply right there. HireMeWad.com is available 24 hours a day. Check back often. New jobs are posted frequently. Don't see what you want? Post your resume and let prospective employers find you. HireMeWA.com, the go-to job board for Northwest Washington. HireMeWA.com, your new job awaits. Some big issues uh, that need to be dealt with for farming in Washington State. And, I mean, things we talk about a lot on this show. Like, what's going on with fuel and the fuel tax in this? I know some people say, well, it's not a tax. Well, the upshot is it's more money that farmers are paying for fuel than they were supposed to pay and aren't supposed to pay by law because of the Climate Commitment Act and this uh, extra costs. So we've talked about that. We've talked about water issues here on the program. We've talked about labor. Well, uh, Republicans in the Washington State Senate made an announcement this past week talking about a bunch of these issues. They have a new set of priorities, um, an agriculture agenda, if you will, for the upcoming legislative session, which gets underway. And I mean, just a couple of months or less already. It's it's coming up quick. When Olympia gets back to work, and you know my my typical line, I always get nervous anytime Olympia is uh, in session, open for business, because I <laughs> I get nervous about you know are they just going to make more rules and regulations that may or may not actually fit the world that they're supposed to be regulating and making things more complicated. Um, in, in, in fact, dealing with 
onerous regulation is one of the other uh, issues that came up that Republicans were talking about. One of these Republicans who's been talking about this is a farmer himself. We talked with him before here on the program, and he joins us on the phone right now. Uh, Representative Ron Mazal uh, from down there, uh, Island County. Welcome to the program. And talk about this Cultivate Washington agriculture agenda, as it's being called from you uh, Republicans there in the state Senate. Well, good morning, Dylan. Yeah, this is a this is a program that we put together, and it's a communication outreach. Um, we've basically got six six bullet points here, but these are all consequential when it comes to agriculture. And this is coming from the Senate Republicans. I'm ranking member on the Ag and Natural Resources Committee, and we decided that we have got to bring these up. Some of these will be will be legislation. Some will be provisos. But these are the important things facing agriculture right now, and we need to talk about it. Okay, so in your estimation, I know you've got several things, and I don't know if they're you know listed in any particular order. But what do you see as is the top priority or two of of the the items on this list that you guys want to work on? So ag overtime, we need a we need a a, a seasonal uh, ag overtime. In other words, when the crops need to be picked, we shouldn't be paying the overtime wage because most of these individuals are making way over that and this is what they rely on to be able to make their their yearly income is this seasonality so that's one of the issues second one of course you mentioned and that's these this tax and i agree with you it's a tax because it's being put on the fuel um that we weren't supposed to pay in agriculture timber and maritime that department of ecology never got taken care of we need to take care of that um We've got an exodus of people out of agriculture because, as you mentioned, all of these regulations are so onerous. Well, we need to work to try to, to allow uh, small and mid-sized farms, which are the, the highest number that are leaving, more profitable. We need to, we need to address that. Water, we continue to make this more uh, problematic all the time. And there are ways around this while still preserving salmon and wildlife and seeing that municipalities have water and agriculture. And we have to make, make that easier. Uh, the wolf problem, we need to address that. But all predators and all wildlife that's destroying agricultural crops. And then the last of which, and it kind of folds everything in here, that's education. I mean, we're, we know FFA and 4-H and that kind of stuff. We need a program that educates population. The 98% that are not involved in agriculture, we've got to get them educated as to how all of these are impacting them. And that's part of this communication plan. Okay, so this is a lot of stuff and a lot of stuff that sounds pretty good to me. I mean, these are things that we talk about on this program every week. These are are the big issues facing farming in Washington State. By the way, this is the Farming Show. I'm Dylan Honkoop. We're talking with State Senator Ron Mazal right now, 10th District State Senator, a Republican, and part of the group that uh, announced this uh, agriculture agenda that Republicans in the State Senate have for the upcoming legislative session. They're calling it Cultivate Washington. Now, Senator Mazal, I guess, let's talk politics for a minute. What What is the realistic future of these political goals, considering that Republicans are not in in the majority in the state Senate, in the state House or in the in the governor's office? 
Well, I'll tell you what, Dylan, uh, it's interesting as I get around the state and I've met with all sorts of different uh, product commissions this summer, agriculture is in a tough place. But when I get out, talk to the normal citizens out there, they're unaware of that. They hear what the news media uh, spreads, but that isn't truthful. You and I both know that. Cow burps are not destroying the planet. Uh, the We need to educate them. And when I do educate them, when I talk to them on a one-on-one -on -one level, when I talk about how tough this summer has been with all the increase in costs and weather and everything else, and I tell them that family farms are ceasing to exist, when I quote what Whatcom County's dairy industry has done for 40 years, yeah. um, we are, uh, they, they listen, they're concerned, they want to hear about it. And that's what this communication program is going to do. It's going to tell the truth to the consumer who hasn't been hearing it. Yeah, and, and sadly, we're getting to that crisis point. It's something that has been warned about for years, that these policies are going to be forcing farming out of Washington State. And, and we're finally to the point where it's bad enough that the numbers are really starting to show that. As numbers of farms dwindle, the amount of food that we import, um, and a lot of it from foreign countries even that don't have any of these or, or very few of these regulations, largely um this is actually happening here in washington state we're at that crisis point people need to recognize it wasn't bluster in the first place it's not bluster now it's not hyperbole this is reality and the current landscape politically um and in terms of you know the, the regulatory landscape i guess if you will um is squelching the farming community and food production local food production which at the same time the general public that isn't aware of you know just how much this is affecting farming is increasing in their desire and, and their recognition of the importance of local food so I don't know. We have an opportunity here to turn this around, even though we're, we're reaching this crisis point. I believe that we do. I believe that uh, even uh, the majority party cares. I believe that when we explain to them how difficult it is and how each of these things is just another straw, eventually it will break the camel's back. And we're not just talking big corporate agriculture, which they seem to hate and they don't understand the vast majority are family corporations. We're talking about agriculture as a whole. And like I said, I've been, to, we've been to five different commission meetings uh, throughout the state, you know, fruit, uh, soft fruit, um, dairy, uh, grains, everybody is talking the same thing. And that is, boy, we don't know how much longer we're going to hang on. We don't mm -hmm. know, you know, our, our minimum wage is twice of Idaho's. So depending on which side of the border you're on, that could, that could spell the difference in your prof ability to make a profit. Yeah. Uh, so let's, let's have a conversation about the economics and the future of agriculture in the state of Washington. And it isn't just hyperbole. I can show you the numbers. So that's what we got to communicate, and that's what we are going to be working on. Again, State Senator Ron Mazal, our guest right now on The Farming Show here on KGMI. I'm Dylan Honkoop. He represents the 10th District, which is Island County, as well as a, a little uh, part of Skagen and a part of Snohomish County. Um, Senator Mazal, what, what do you guys get started with in, in January? What starts to happen? You know, when we talk about these and we say, 
yes, we, we agree. These are priorities. These are important. In fact, this, you know, what you're talking about, as you're saying, has broad interest even across the, across the aisle. But how, how do you start making these things happen, these changes that we need for survival in the farming community? How do you get it going? So we are the first uh, couple days of December, we are already in the committee days. We are already having committee meetings. Some of these will be on the docket for those early committee meetings. We are getting the legislation prepped and ready to go. We got a short session, but we will have these filed prior to that session and we will be looking for support across the aisle. But we will also be doing every chance we have doing pressers like this one, letting people know what we're doing and what the priorities are. Public outreach. It's an important, it's an important part of this. Uh, And it's something really, you know, I've been preaching this for some time. It's, it's something that the farming community in the past wasn't so great with. Oh, you're exactly right. Why do we farm? Because that's what we want to do. We don't want (laughs) to be marketers. We don't want to be, we don't want to be uh, press people, but we're we're now required to because we've got to tell our story to the 98% that are not involved in the industry and who get their information from social media and news media, which don't tell the truth. Yeah. Well, I, you know this personally, too, because of, you know, how you were raised, what you do as a business. Talk about that for, for what folks or for folks that, that don't know what you're up to. Uh, Senator Mazal, uh, talk about uh, your farm and, and and what that all involves. So I'm the fourth generation on the farm. We've typically been in livestock production. We've done some cropping, but uh, I'm the fourth generation on the farm. I've got two daughters who are back on the farm and are vested in it, and their kids are growing up on the farm. And we direct market everything we grow. So we're marketing beef, pork, lamb, and poultry products through our store, through other grocery stores, uh, and up and down the I-5 corridor. So we're marketing, and so we do talk to our customers, and and they do appreciate us. But when we were in the dairy business, you know, Dairy Gold picked up the milk, it turned up in the store. There wasn't that connection. We've made that change to vertical integration, but the vast majority of agriculture still produces commodities, but they're still family operations, 99% of them. And do you think, I mean, a lot of people will say, well, everybody needs to do what you guys are doing. I don't see that as a a possibility. We need those other operations that aren't doing what you folks are doing. Exactly. I mean, we are, we're a microcosm of it. The reality is we still need commodities because we still need, we still need the exports. We need the commodities that are going in to make up all the other foodstuffs. It works for us. And because we are where we are, we don't have that. But ability to raise commodities we need all of agriculture and and don't get me wrong on that but we need to support all of agriculture not pick and choose and heap on like we have done in the past well and interestingly uh, this regulatory landscape that we're talking about that is onerous that's one word that's been used it almost feels like it penalizes the farming community and even the you know some of the talk that you'll hear behind some of the regulations that have been added 
added in the last 10 years. You hear the talk of the folks that propose these things, that go to pass these things, that support it. You almost, from some of those folks, at least the more radical folks, almost hear a, a, a tone of wanting to, to penalize or restrict or, you know, I think born out of a false assumption of what farming is all about. And I think a lot of that is, at least in those folks' minds, errantly focused on the big farms, right? And, and correct me oh. if I'm wrong, Senator Mazal, but what I see happening is a lot of these regs causing that much uh, problem, or more problems for the small guys that people say they like, like yourself, as the big guys that apparently some of the more radical folks involved in, in rulemaking, whether at the agency level or at the legislative level, you know, are trying to get the, the big uh, the big evil corporate guys, which, you know, I would uh, challenge that assumption as well. But just saying that that's their, uh, their thinking, that's not necessarily who they're getting, quote unquote, with their rules at all. No, that's exactly right. There is so much misinformation, and that's what we want to try to correct. There are corporations in agriculture, but the vast majority of them are family corporations that aid in that transition. There, there are there there have been mistakes made in agriculture, but the vast majority of us we care about the land because we're looking for the next generation to take over that land, and we don't want to ruin it. We care about our employees. All of these things are important, and I think that that's the frustration is they lump all of us in, oh, we're going to go after them. What they don't realize is, is that they're, they're hitting all of us the same. I mean, this labor, this labor situation we're in is, is, is affecting everyone. And uh, you mentioned that as your top, sorry to, to cut you off, uh, this labor no. situation. I mean, one of the things that has been debated, which boggles my mind that it's up for debate at all, is whether there's a labor shortage or not. I mean, there are activists who are rather plugged in in Olympia who continue to feed some of our bureaucrats the, the idea that there is no labor shortage in agriculture. What would you say to that? And what are you experiencing? What are you hearing from others? Oh, it, it is the same everywhere. We are, you know, you look at our unemployment rate in the state of Washington, it's, it's close to the lowest ever. And when you have that, the reality, no matter how much you pay, that most people will go someplace else where it isn't so much work. There, It's work on a farm. Yeah. Um, and our employees, some of them have been with us for a long time. But finding seasonal, finding other, it's a, it's a real challenge. And when they come to you, um, you know, we're trying to compete with other businesses that are offering, you know, benefit packages in retirement and that kind of a thing. The type of labor we need doesn't justify that investment. But we're quickly approaching the point where we've got to be thinking about that. And we're price takers. We're not price makers. Yeah, so you can't and pass so, it on. No, we can't pass it on. So where, where do we come up with that money? And I think that that's, that's the thing that we've really got to take a hard look at here, Dylan, is, is that I really truthfully believe we've got a diaspora of young people leaving the farm, yeah. maybe more so than ever before, who look at it and say, you know what, mom, dad, 
I don't want to do this. I don't, I don't want to go through what you're going through. As far as that goes, there's somebody from town that wants to buy your farm to build an estate, sell it to them and just live, live the rest of your life in comfort. But you know, that is not the reason that we farm. We farm so the next generation can take it over. So it's better. So it's more profitable. So it's sustainable. We don't, we don't want to sell out to the big money from town, but honestly, they're coming out to the farm country and they're buying up this land at a rate that we can't compete with. Yeah. Yeah. And that puts all kinds of different pressures that people don't see from the road on a family, on a farm. Um, The the situation is very, very challenging. I, I appreciate that there are folks in Olympia like yourself who see this, who have experienced it themselves um, to be able to pass this on and, and make people know that this is real. This isn't just a political talking point. This isn't just a, a game that the big, powerful agriculture interests are playing because it doesn't work that way. Agriculture farming in Washington State is a community uh, much more than it is just an industry as a monolith. Um, and we need folks to recognize that, again, this isn't bluster. This isn't hyperbole. This is a, a crisis that we're facing as a state. And if you, you know, you talk about the food system, it's trendy to talk about the food system. If you really do care about the food system, you need to pay attention and believe what the farming community is saying. Otherwise, we're going to see uh, that system that we have now uh, begin to, to collapse here in Washington State, and we're going to become um, largely, if not entirely, reliant on food from elsewhere, um, if, uh, anything of any quantity anyway. And, and we certainly can't uh, survive as a state of just you know, a small number of hobby farms. We need significant agriculture production here. It's, I mean, it's crazy to me sometimes the, the short shrift that I think agriculture does. It, it's, it's number two in the state, right? Yeah, no, that that's exactly right. Uh, people don't understand what an economic driver it is for the state of Washington um, as a whole, uh, as an export, as supporting itself. And and the thing they also don't understand is once it's gone, it's gone. Yeah. We don't we don't start it up again because the support services and everything else disappear along with it. Yeah. And this is the stakes are high. This is important stuff, folks. Again, State Senator Ron Mazal talking about uh, State Senate Republicans' uh, new agriculture agenda for the upcoming legislative session in early 2024 gets underway in January. It's not far away. They're going to be working on stuff in Olympia, and they've got some really good ideas in my estimation. And hopefully, they can get some bipartisan support from the majority party for for some of these ideas and initiatives. And and in the process. As you're saying, Senator Mazal, create more awareness of the reality of this situation. Um, we appreciate what you do representing the 10th District and representing agriculture all over Washington State. And we thank you for, for being with us here on the program this morning. Thank you, Dylan, for the opportunity. Now you can mow, dig, grade, haul, and more with the perfect solution for your property, a Branson tractor. Save your back and your wallet with one of our compact but powerful tractors here at Farmers Equipment Company. Stop by and choose from our full line of Bransons to take on your toughest tasks. With tractors from 19 to 55 horsepower, we have a Branson compact or utility tractor that is perfect for you. Want to use a rotary cutter to tame that tall brush on your property? You can do that. 
What about snagging a scoop from that pile of gravel to maintain your driveway free of potholes? You can do that too. Branson's six-year warranty along with our factory-trained technicians will make sure your new tractor is always running great. Get the tractor you want and the peace of mind you need at Farmers Equipment Company. To learn more, visit us online at FarmersEquip.com or stop by our locations in Linden or Burlington today. Farmers Equipment Company, serving the Pacific Northwest for over 86 years. Support the Boys and Girls Club of Whatcom County when you visit any local McDonald's restaurant between now and December 31st. The holidays are a time of generosity and good works. And now the McDonald's Spreading Smiles campaign makes it easy. Grab a bite to eat at any Whatcom County McDonald's and you'll be invited to donate to the Boys and Girls Club. Every dollar you give will support their important work serving more than 500 kids a day countywide from infant to age 18 in their four early learning centers and four clubhouses. They are open every weekday providing nutritious meals, help with homework, and an array of fun activities such as art and STEM. No child is ever turned away. Since 2008, the McDonald's Spreading Smiles campaign has raised over $419,000 to benefit our local kids. Help create great futures for young people and our community. Stop in before December 31st at any local McDonald's and donate to the Boys and Girls Club of Whatcom County. It's a great way to celebrate the holidays. With more ways than ever to connect to news and entertainment, 90% of new car buyers want the tried-and-true AM-FM radio option. Gadgets are great, but when you're behind the wheel, you just want that local connection that you can't get from online apps. Local radio is dependable and free, with no subscription or cellular data required, and no fumbling with a separate device. Ourbroadcasters.com and tell us how you depend on AM radio stations like KGMI and how you want AM included in your next new car. The latest local news and important topics of the day from the West Mechanical Studio. Tired of inefficient heating, poor indoor air quality, and rising energy bills? Contact West Mechanical today to explore going ductless with a system from Mitsubishi Electric Heating and Air Conditioning. Find them at westmechanical.net. Get the latest news and information 24-7 with KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM in Bellingham and KGMI.com. The opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of KGMI or the Cascade Radio Group. Does this water lawsuit apply to me? Well, chances are the answer is yes. A lot of people, more and more folks paying attention now to Washington State's plan to file a lawsuit that requires everybody in Whatcom County to prove their right to use water, essentially, to, to, to sum it up, right? And we've talked about this a lot. We've talked about this now for years on this program since this became more of a reality. The plan continues to move forward. We just had a big event with Whatcom Family Farmers. Um, a lot of folks came out and a lot of questions were asked um, and in posting about this on social media as well, which, by the way, if you aren't following Whatcom Family Farmers on uh, Facebook and Instagram and X, 
formerly known as Twitter, you should, uh, to keep up to date on what we're working on and, and opportunities for you to speak out as well. Um, but people there asking, hey, you know, does this just apply to, to farmers uh, who are irrigating this whole water thing, or, or does it apply to people with a, a private well for their home? The answer is yes, both. And, and we've had people ask, does it just apply to people with private wells? No. Uh, in fact, it applies to everyone. With us on the program this morning uh, is Executive Director of Whatcom Family Farmers, Fred Lickle. Welcome to the program this morning, Fred. It was good to connect with so many folks at this meeting that we had um, and have these experts on stage Guys who really know their stuff, both legally and engineering, scientific wise, right? Yeah, I it's, it's Saturday morning. What can I say? <laughs> Hydrogeologists, engineers, yes, to say how this is really going to work and what we need to be ready for. Yeah, it was a really, a really good program, and and um, it, it is good to see more and more people know or, or start to recognize um, we need to have some knowledge here. And you know, the short answer to your question is: if you use water, yes, you are going to be affected by this, one way or the other. You are going to be affected by this. If you live in town, your town is going to have to yeah. be part of the adjudication. Um, Th- those are probably the yeah. only people who don't really personally have to be concerned about it directly themselves, but their city leaders do. Absolutely. And eventually, if it costs a bunch of money and a bunch of attorneys, or maybe your water right gets questioned, then it may cost you a whole lot of money or, you know, a whole lot of headache. Taxpayers then will have to foot that bill for cities. Water associations, there's another example. It's a big one. Yes, there's water associations out there have, you know, there's a lot at stake there as well. So, this just assumption that well you know i'm 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 going to be fine you, you need to be paying attention to this this is it's a lawsuit to determine water and last i checked everybody uses water well and really i mean would it make sense that uh, you know such a project as you know ecology sees it they're just you know checking boxes as we've talked about here on the program we're going to bring certainty with this this is going to make things so much better and then it's going to help us save water and, and change things as far as stream flows in uh, the nooksack river and its tributaries you know we've questioned the logic of that and there are a lot of reasons why the science shows that's a Pollyanna-ish view that ecology holds. But even, you know, before any of that, it wouldn't make sense to proceed if it didn't involve everybody, right? No, of course not. No. And, and that's particularly, I think, about people who have so-called Hearst wells, if you want to call them that, or exempt wells. Right. And I think that community, for a couple of years, as this kind of moved to the front burner in Olympia, uh, for a couple of years, that community of folks wasn't really aware of this or didn't think it would affect them, but I think that's changing now. Absolutely. I mean, this is a lawsuit, again, that affects everybody. So if you're using water, it, it is going to affect you. And if you're one of those wells, um, you know, the, the newer ones might have some advantages in terms of, you know, they did some mitigation and so forth, but they're still part of a lawsuit that is going to determine priority of water. Same thing for some of these older wells that people might think, well, maybe I'm exempt. No, you're not really exempt. You're still going to be part of the lawsuit. You're still going to have to prove how much water that you're using. 
um, it yeah, it's a so, lawsuit. What more can we say? Yeah, it, what really? Well, and, and another thing that was pointed out on this program and made clear to me right here on the air just a couple of weeks ago was before this this educational event we had called "Protecting Your Water," which we're you know no promises, no specific plans yet, but we're talking behind the scenes about the possibility of having another one of these events. Correct. In coming months, when exactly we we know it, the state has yet to come out with more details on how they're going to do the whole lawsuit thing, what kind of paperwork you're going to have to file. Once we get some more of those answers, and uh, Bill Clark, who is here on the program, is saying hopefully by the end of the year, we don't know for sure, um, we'll get some more guidance from Ecology on that. Of course, then the experts will have to digest that and figure out what it really means. So... Who knows, maybe sometime in the spring there will be another opportunity to bring folks together for an update and for folks who maybe weren't able to attend the last meeting to get up to speed on, on what we're talking about, what this means to them, how they can best um, prepare. Um, but one of the, the scariest things that, for whatever reason, wasn't entirely clear to me until I talked with Bill Clark here on the show a few weeks ago before our event was that if you don't file during this lawsuit, and he, he talked about filing an adjudication claim, it's different than a water claim. You know, there's all these semantics of what word means what in different terms. It's not the same as a water claim. This is a court claim that everyone must file with this adjudication court case. If you do not file that court claim as part of the adjudication case, you lose it all. Yeah, that is exactly correct, Dylan. It doesn't matter if you have a full paper water right, everything documented, all your ducks in a row, a hundred and I would imagine that they would be very pleased if some people didn't file because then there's that much less water that they have to allocate. And yet, if you don't file, you will be out of luck in this whole thing as it stands right now. So, um, yeah, we're, we're working really hard to make sure that everybody who has any sort of a water claim, a water right... Um, any sort of paperwork on that, any sort of inkling of what it is they may have, we, we need to make sure that when the adjudication starts that we are working on getting these things filed so that um, folks can be talking about what their right to water is. Well, and it behooves you for your personal situation, and it's also a benefit to the entire community. The more folks have their paperwork in order or you know whatever paperwork they have even if they don't have all and that's that's the one of the big challenges is you may have a water right but do you you know it may be quite old and where is all the paperwork and who has that and how are you going to defend it and those were things that these these experts were talking about but that's i think what a lot of people aren't aware of and it doesn't mean that what you're doing with your water is illegal at all, even though some have tried to spin it that way. But it just means you don't know where all the paperwork is. And until now, you haven't had to worry about it. That's correct. And, and um, you know, their ecology would love to say, oh, don't worry, we'll take care of you. Mm. We'll get it in there. And, and uh, as I think others have rightfully pointed out, do you really want the person who is suing you being the one mm. that's helping you figure it out? I mean, ecology's yeah. job Ecology's goal is to take just about as much water as they can 
away from people because they have what they would call a stream that is, or a river, in this case, the Nooksack River Basin, that is over-allocated. When you look at the water that is, you know, that will most likely be granted for salmon and Mm in-stream flows, um, we would then have more legal, not enough legal water to fulfill all the claims. So if they can find any way that somebody doesn't apply, I'm sure they will be very happy. Yeah. Well, We've already he, seen that from folks who have sent in, you know, trying to, to work out some of these things in the past. Almost always, whatever you apply for, ecology will say, ah, actually, you really don't need that much. We're going to take mm-hmm. that away from you. Mm-hmm. They, that, that's the, the, the relinquishment law. Well, we really don't think you need, you, you're using that much. We're just going to take it away from you. They're certainly never going to tell you, oh, no, you actually might need more. <laughs> yeah. Right? You can pretty much guarantee that's not going and to And the happen. chances that they're going to say, oh, yeah, what you have is exactly what you need. No, the goal, the MO, is to reduce... And I understand the reasons why, yes. you know, and that doesn't necessarily come, it, it, all the motives behind that aren't necessarily bad, but the process is bad. And assuming that you're going to go into a, the court system, which is an adversarial process, anytime there's a lawsuit, anytime right. there are charges, any anything in our courts, this is a, an adversarial system. If you are going into it told by the person who is supposed to be your adversary that don't worry, we'll take care of you. We'll we'll take care of you, yeah. You (laughs) probably should have some red flags go up over that. We are the government and we are here to help. Yes, And that is what ecology is doing. And that's probably one of the things we have the biggest problem with is that the the state has not been entirely honest in how they've they've talked about this, Uh, whether that's intentional or whether that's naive. And that can be up to your interpretation. Again, this is the Farming Show here on KGMI this morning. I'm Dylan Honkoop with Whatcom Family Farmers. Uh, Whatcom Family Farmers Executive Director Fred Lickle is with us right now on the program talking about this event we had uh, recently we hosted at the Northwest Washington Fairgrounds on the 8th of November. Uh, we had, we, we, when you host one of these events and we put notice out as widely as we could without spending ridiculous amounts of money on advertising budgets or anything like that, but trying to get the word out to as many people as possible, you don't know how many people are going to show up. Right. We right? asked for um, RSVPs would be yeah. appreciated. And I think we got like 40, we had th- <laughs> 300 people show up. So <laughs> Which that, is, that was a really, a, a really yeah. great thing. It was a good, good problem to have. Um, but, Fred, what what would you say with all the people that were there and all the con? I mean, it was hard to pack in all the information that oh, it was a fire hose. <laughs> it was an absolute fire fire hose. hose of information from Bill Clark, from Jay Chenault, uh, what Taylor Carlson, Tyler Carlson, Ty- Tyler Carlson, and, and Andy, Andy Dunn. Dunn, and then Paul Simmons was up from California as well, the Klamath Basin, to share Correct. some some wisdom from down there. Um, what was the most common question that you heard from folks? I would say it was, well, other than help <laughs> was, uh, I, you know, is, I, I think number one is, are you sure this applies to me? Mm-hmm. Yes, it does apply to you. It definitely does. Number two was, where do I get started? I, you know, yeah. I don't need to know. And, and fortunately there was a lot of good materials there, which we also have on our website. Yeah. I was um, going to mention that yeah. earlier. Um, and it, WatkinFamilyFarmers.org, by the way, you can check it out there. You can see all the presentation slides and get a bunch of the info. Right. But it, it, 
you know, it was, that was probably the biggest thing is how do I get started? And there were, I think one of the biggest takeaways uh, that I heard later is I did not realize what a big deal this was. And it was said by multiple presenters that I think really got home to people is doing nothing is not an option. Hmm. And that is the thing that we really need to get out there in the community as we started with is yeah. doing nothing is not an option. Uh, we well, have, it is if you want to lose well, yeah, all of your water access. Your wa- access. But there's a yeah. lot of folks that just thought this was going to pass them by and they're, and they're starting mm-hmm. to recognize. And I think, you know, there, there was good things uh, in terms of folks understanding we have tools out there. There are things that you can do. And in just about regardless of what situation there is, you need to have some knowledge because knowledge is power, and knowledge can give people hope. Where am I? What have I got? What what needs to be? What needs to happen? That's not just as an individual, but also as a community, which is really important too. It's really important that we gain that knowledge and understand. Okay, this is the process that we're going through. Yeah. These are the challenges that we're up against. And this is how we need to support not just ourselves, but our community as a whole, as our watershed yeah. improvement districts, walking family farmers, you know, the realtors and others yeah. grapple with this. We need to stay engaged and involved. Well, let's flip it towards the negative just to, to consider the possibility. What would that mean for our entire community if, say, a significant portion of people that this affects, which is everyone, really, as we're talking yeah. about here, if a significant portion of people didn't engage, weren't prepared, maybe even prepared some, but not sufficiently, that could present a negative, not just for them, but for the larger sure. community. Well, we, we can already look at, because there's there has been some policing around this in the farm community just a bit in certain areas. It's been mm-hmm. very spotty. But we've had people who have literally had their water. They've been told, you must cease and desist with watering because they didn't have adequate water rights. Now, as near as I can tell, this is a complaint-driven system right now, so yep. it's super spotty. But, yeah, the reality is there are people who could say, I'm watering a plant that's high, you know, a high-end plant like raspberries. Or, mm-hmm. or I, I know yep. there's been blueberries and potatoes who have had this yep. issue shut off your water. You need to shut it off or you're, it's, I think it's a $10,000 a day fine, something ridiculous like that. And get your paperwork out and prove what yeah. water rights you have. Yeah. And and so can you imagine yeah. if that happens across the community where, you know, we estimate, and I, I want to be careful saying this, but as we estimate there could be up to 50% of people who have some sort of an issue. That doesn't mean, I want to clarify, because people yeah. have had that use that to exaggerate things. That, that is, means that they yeah. may have an issue. It doesn't mean that they have no water. That is the exact statistic or estimate that has been misrepresented Absolutely. so many times in this community where people who say, Oh, well, farmers admit that up to half of their water use is illegal. (laughs) Number one, it's not illegal. We're talking about it has issues. Maybe not all the paperwork. Maybe, who knows? It has to be ironed out. Sure. And secondly, it's 50% of farmers, not 50% of their use. So you may have a farmer that has 10 or 15 different water rights with different fields and different spots, the way things work here in this county. And maybe one of them has an issue. Does that mean 50 per- No. It, right. It's just that's the and, number of and, people. And, you know, as things have changed since they put these water rights out in the anywhere from the early 1900s to 1940s, 50s, 60s, whatever that might be, things have changed. Uh, different plots of land can be split. We were talking to one today yeah. who, who 
there was a, I think it was a 40 acre piece that got split three, has been split three different ways. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, well, then that piece of water, it still has water there, but it has problems in terms of what happens if one of those three, you know, puts in for the claim, one of them doesn't, maybe yeah. one of them isn't recognized. Well, because there's some paperwork just, that is yeah. supposed to be done to then split up the water right, but, right, but probably it probably hasn't happened. Right. It yeah. hasn't happened in a lot of cases. So is that yeah. illegal water use then? Or, you know, some folks out there who like to take data and manipulate it for their larger, you know, political goals around issues yes. like this, take stuff like that and make claims about it and uh, totally out of context. And, and those are the kinds of things that, that we're talking about here. Um, also something else that we've talked about a lot, this idea of the Hussman promise of right. people who have in some cases wells, um, that have been in use since a hundred years ago or more. Yes, I, I know a couple bef- cases like that. Before, back a hundred years ago, there were no water rights required for people with a well. Eventually, they were required. But when they began to be required in the late 40s, there was no push for people who already had wells to go get a new right for a well that they already had. It was really how knowledgeable you were. When was that? Where were you supposed to do that? Well, finally, late 70s, early 80s, they started talking about it. And by the time the 80s rolled around, it was like, well, you need to do this. And people applied then and... They're still waiting for their water right. They're still waiting for their water right. So So is that illegal... Um, irresponsible water use? No, this is f- local farming that has been happening in similar ways yeah. for a hundred years. Yeah, I talked to somebody just the other day. He said, I'm pretty sure that well is 70 to 80 years old, and it's technically not legal. It has a claim in on it for right. the last however many, 40 years. Yeah. Nothing has happened with it. Um, so is that yeah, irresponsible? Is that-, is that illegal? Is this farmer, you know, who, who continues to water out of something that maybe his grandpa or great grandpa sure. was using? Not, a, not only that, Dylan, but you can have people who have bought this land with absolutely zero knowledge of whether their water rights are legal or not. And that's occurred in up to the last like, 10 years yeah. where, I mean, in the last 10 years, I think it's gotten better that way where folks were buying land that they were just told that they were okay on water and they didn't know they didn't understand especially if they came from another country which we mm-hmm. have seen from, yeah. from from some of folks from our good folks from can from across the border in canada yeah. you can buy this land for let's just say twenty thousand dollars an acre okay you don't know and all don't know. of the backstory and yeah. all of a sudden you find this out so yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see where that falls in. Well, again, the information from the uh, presentation, the event that we had recently, it was on November 8th, by the way, at the fairgrounds. If you missed that, or even if you were there and want to look back to some of the things that were talked about, all the presentation slides from the experts on stage are available at whatcomefamilyfarmers.org. It's the main story right up there on the, the homepage. Check it out. Get yourself uh, educated on what you need to do. And also stay tuned. Sign up on our About page at whatcomefamilyfarmers.org. You can sign up for our newsletter. Get signed up there. Um, so you can get updates when we have future events um, and or if we find out new information, uh, breaking news of things that you need to be uh, tracking and on top of and, and preparing for. Um, so again, WhatcomFamilyFarmers.org, um, executive director of that organization. Fred Lickle has been our guest uh, here this half hour on The Farming Show. Fred, thanks for being here. Thank you, Don.